secrets from a coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Laura, how are you doing? All right, hectic week. Woo, lots going on. Lots of emotions flying around as well. It's almost like there's a roadmap of emotions we need to navigate our way through, (laughs) Dave. What what are you picking up in particular? So right here, right now, what are you picking up in particular with all your client conversations? So what I'm picking up, there's a mixture. There's a bit of fear and trepidation going on. Um, There's some excitement as well, a bit of jubilation that, you know, we may have an end game to this. Um, I'm thinking, you know, there's a lot of belief and hope out there as well. Um, And I think whereas before we had real highs and lows that were happening every sort of day, literally hour on hour, they sort to be stabilising at the moment as well. So lots of people are, you know, recognising the emotions that they're going through and trying to stabilise a bit more. And that's what it feels like at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that sort of feeling of, you know, now we have a a countdown of dates that people are working towards and just the impact that's then had on the various clients and industries that, you know, been catching up with this week. And I guess as part of that release, the opening of shops, offices, venues, that just creates traffic as well, whether that's kind of traffic mentally, thinking about all the things that you need to now be doing, maybe it's slightly different. And as well as physical sort of traffic. You know what's made me laugh this week, Devs? We've had a um, a new cat join our house. And every time, every time I stroke this cat, she then immediately goes to the food bowl and eats. And I'm thinking, this cat is comfort eating because she's sort of dealing with the change of, you know, in a new house, new people. And just every time something happens, she just then immediately then goes to eat. And I'm thinking, how many people are kind of going to the fridge a little bit more this week or you know what what does that mean in terms of our different ways of coping with what is going to be probably quite a choppy full-on six weeks there's going to be quite a lot of stuff to deal with and what's the best way to set us up so we feel equipped and empowered to be able to deal with that well I guess yeah and I think it's also um knowing that your your emotions are your emotions noticing your inner state I think is really important you know um our emotions are there to keep us safe basically and you know we come they come as part of us as our part of our human package that enable us to sort of make sure that we are keeping ourselves okay with that and it's you know it's that bit where we feel things first then we think it so you know if we can ensure that um yeah we can't stop those emotions that are happening they're there to alert us uh, and when we look way, 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 way back in time, um, you know, they were they were there that, you know, to sort of indicate a way of how we might be able to work out, navigate our way through whatever was happening. So, you know, the, that that feeling of, you know, shame was about, you know, potentially letting your tribe down and trying to fix it. And it was a bit of a warning to us that we weren't actually pulling our weight. So again, it's that bit, you know, we can't stop it. But as I say, they're there to alert us as to say, right, what do you want to do now as a result of this, as an example? of that oh yes and in fact I remember being absolutely transfixed by the work of Dr Paul Ekman who was the guy who did loads of stuff when he was in his 70s or 80s now loads of stuff in the 60s and 70s about micro gestures and um, what role does facial expressions have in terms of our way of um, communicating emotion and what that might kind of mean and he was instrumental in actually sort of looking at how there are seven universal human emotions that are then expressed in the same way so whether you've been raised 
um, in a forest and you've never met any other tribe or you've been raised in, you know, a, a TV Hollywood world, disgust, shame, joy, love, hope, sadness, those big emotions look the same. So even if you don't understand the words someone's using, you can tell if someone is about to be repelled by some food that is off, you would know that that was their way of emotionally communicating, don't touch this food, you know, yeah. sort of with it. And, and what was just so fascinating about, you know, we delve a little bit deeper about this is how not only are emotions a projector, so they project outwards to the world what's going on for you emotionally, but they're also a console. So if you put your face into a happy expression, you will just then feel a very sudden uplift because your your brain can't compute that you're Outside faces showing one thing um, without that emotional connection with it. So I think there's some really interesting, um, you know, uh, uh, tips we can take from that in terms of managing that roadmap of emotions, how much control we do actually have over how we feel about stuff. It's not just automatic. We can actually kind of retrofit our emotions depending yeah. on how we move, uh, the way we express yes. ourselves. I think you're right. It's that, it's that bit that says, you know, how am I going to respond to that? And it's thinking about, you know, what, what, do I, what do I know that's going on? What are the warning signs? And actually, what can I do? You know, it's your thoughts that will tell you the story, but it's our interpretation of the feelings or thoughts that will either keep them around for a long time or, you know, they move through it and we actually find a different way and go down a different path that's going to actually be better for us. You know, 40% of, of that is is to do with how we how we think about those emotions as well. So, you know, if we can capture what is that emotion, what am I feeling right now and is that helping me or not? And then it's a choice as to what do you want to do about it. I mean, it happens like in a nanosecond, but it's enough if we can slow that process down so we're conscious about it, we can then, if you like, put that control back in a way that says, you know, yes, I'm upset and sad, what's that all about? Or yes, I'm joyous, what's that all about? And how do I either continue to be happy and joyous or how do I change my state so I, I don't feel as sad as I was? Totally. And of course, what has just been so interesting seeing over the since March 2020 is how these kind of big ticket um, leadership principles, confidence principles were all sort of written pre-pandemic yeah. because my immediate thought then was thinking none of that research has been done in a masked environment so our yeah, ability to go on a train and work out is this a friendly crowd or is this you know an unfriendly crowd so yeah. much of that ability to decode strangers to work out who were friend who and foe is through those facial expressions and it just yeah. sort of struck me actually part of the changing conditions as we get released is dealing with these we're, we're all used to it in a supermarket and in a potentially leisure way but mm. there'll be plenty of people who have had to learn how to work and interact with a mask but potentially someone who's about to go back into working in a shop or in an yeah. office or in a venue it's um that ability to still feel confident even if you're yeah. using less data to be able to work out the people around you yeah and I think it's also how can we feel safer I suppose as well you know when we're dealing with stuff like that you know checking in with our emotions and and then you know, obviously they're there to make us feel safe but how do we feel safer you know as we go through um and I suppose as you know you've been talking around that a bit Laura around you know we love a good acronym don't we around oh, we that. do love a good acronym so I love the fact that we were able to talk about our emotions <laughs> and then come up with this as we were sitting there chatting away about 
how do we make ourselves feel safer? And, um, you know, that that bit that we've done where we've potentially been suppressed, you know, as you say, you know, over since March, we've been like kept down. So being suppressed around what we're doing. And, you know, as you said, you know, what's got just have to look at what's gone viral um, over this last couple of, you know, this last year to see how people have been behaving to the being suppressed in that yeah. as well. Eating biscuits, drinking wine, yeah. <laughs> gorging on Netflix, <laughs> getting DPD delivery drivers arriving at their house. Exactly. That's how people have been coping. That's how we've been coping with it. But then as we're coming out of it, I suppose, we're sort of moving into that anticipation of what's next. You know, what does that look like? Um, excitement versus trepidation that's going on. And that's the bit that we're seeing in individuals as well. Um, you know, and I know, you know, when I was talking to you about it, you know, you were talking about the, you know, consciously incompetent. And I can't remember what you said now. Was it something about grabbing stuff or something? But you'll have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so if, if part of that anticipation is, is you don't quite know what you don't know yet. So the um, from a learning theory point of view, that's the stage you are unconsciously incompetent. But I, I sort of say that, you know, if ever you're learning a new skill or having to acquire a new habit, you've got the swingers and the grabbers. So you've got some of us. That was right. Yeah, you've got some of us <laughs> who in that particular skill or whatever's happening thinking, yeah, I can't wait to swing across and cross that valley of the unknown because it looks really exciting over there. So let me swing across. And then there might be half of us kind of going, ooh, but this is the side of safety and I'm going to kind of grab on here. And then actually what happens when you learn something, if you, anyone here has ever learned how to drive, the first test, the, the first um, driving lesson, um, actually it's a bit of a reality check. So it's either better than you expected or worse than you would expected because you hadn't maybe thought through what it might be. But I think that's a really interesting time you know, we find when people are coming on sessions of ours, that invite process is really important. So people know what to expect. Otherwise, they sort of get really nervous about coming on, for example, a presentation yes, skills course. Yes, You know, there's a lot of people who will worry about coming on a presentation skills course. So part of that invite process is to be able to, as people are anticipating that event, feel a little bit more comfortable about it. And then we ask them to take their clothes <laughs> off after the icebreaker. <laughs> You're not meant to give those secrets away about, let's do some voice exercises now. <laughs> no, that's the one. Yeah, that's what she calls them. <laughs> and I suppose, I suppose then those fears that we have, you know, so if we think, you know, we've been, if you like, going back to the safer, you know, we're talking about, you know, suppressing, being suppressed, that we're talking about then having to move through into the anticipation, you know, but actually there's still a sense of fear that could be going around there, you know, that's, you know, so how do we overcome that fear that we've got as as well and, and you know some of the things we could do to make the right decision that's going to help us in that moment to move forward through any fear that we might have that's you know fueling um uh, you know fueling our ability to be able to step into that next stage which is to you know explore what's going on as well and I think that's really important I think as part of that fear and that, that exploration process, yeah. I'm hearing you spelling S-A-F-E. I'm liking this. You, um, you're getting there. I am. I think, I think there's a little six-step process here, five-step process. Here. Yeah. Um, but in terms of fears, I remember on the very first coaching training course I went on as a delegate when I was learning um, sort of, you know, the, the ropes of being a trainer. This is years ago. And just seeing for the first time the FEAR acronym of false evidence appearing real and it blew my mind about how much do we look around? I guess it's confirmation bias, isn't it? You look for evidence to shore up what you think is going to be. So, you know, sort of thinking, oh, I've got to get on a train and will it be a safe if there hasn't been a many 
trains running, you know, and this kind of false evidence that we might look that we sort of grab onto, because I guess we want that security. And even if we're securing it against a fear, it, it kind of gives you something to to sort of shore up against. So the um, I think that's really interesting. And also just an opportunity to look at, there'll be some surface level fears. So the, fun, you know, the funny stuff, like what we're going to wear and all that kind of stuff. And then there's the deep stuff, you know, what happens if I have a panic attack on a packed train? You know, what happens if what happens if I'm stuck in traffic for three hours in the M25? I haven't done a three hour drive. That's <laughs> true. For months. Yeah. And what would have been a walk in the park wouldn't have been thought twice about driving the other side of the country. Oh, actually, that's suddenly a thing that I might have to plan for now. So it's, it's interesting how what can make us wobble, even though this time 13 months ago, you might not have even thought twice about doing that activity. So I think that's really important with that fear is to look at actually, what am I making up? What am I just making some assumptions that might not actually be true? Yeah. And I think it's that ability then to, as you said, to explore what's going on so that, you know, we can emerge out on the other side. So we feel more empowered to make a decision in the right way um, and explore what, you know, all the options that are available to us to, to do that. You know, as you said yeah how do we maybe go about thinking about our route again or how we're going to do that and what we're going to pack you know I got my packing whenever I stayed somewhere overnight down to a fine art and you know I could travel up on the train with one case with everything in it including a massive big insights mat that I might have been going up to to a workshop with and now I'm thinking how did I fit that all in one suitcase and you know carried it around so so it's right it's how do we um think about exploring different options that could be open to us I think Law. And part of that is having a conversation with um uh, a leadership team this week about um you know quite frankly there were some people in their teams who were really worried about going back into the office and what does that mean as a leadership team to then be able to just prepare people for that really so handling that roadmap of emotions etc and of course the good old Ben model is a great way to empower people to then say okay behavior when I think about returning to the office emotion it makes me feel a bit wobbly. So what I need is some clarification on um, certain aspects about days of the week, how we're going to access the building, what does it mean in terms of X, Y, Z. So the Ben model, I think, rather than thinking, oh God, it's so awful, I'm not going to think about it until the night before. Um, Easy life now, hard life later. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The hard bit now is thinking, what actually is freaking me out, making me feel a bit wobbly? Let me lean right into it. Maybe have the harder conversation now for an easier life onward. Because um, I think how we return is potentially could set a pattern that might not be right for you. So now is the time to be thinking... Yeah. And I think the exploration, if you're a manager of a team, is to explore with your team, just what are you feeling? You know, how are you feeling about returning back to work? Um, You know, I did a workshop earlier this, you know, this today, and it was that bit around, well, can I ask that question? Why would you not? You know, if you really want to know how your team are and how they're feeling about potential return, ask them because they tell you, you know, and that's what, and you need to, you need that information to be able to then, as you say, structure, what does that return to work look like for somebody and what they might need to, you know, to feel safe. Um, And then I suppose it's that bit that says, you know, to feel even safer, you know, when we're released back into that workplace, you know, what would that look, you know, the excitement of a fresh start, um, you know, it won't ever be the same again, right? It just won't, because, you know, we're, we have never been here before. Um, so how do we ensure that, um, you know, we, we do create that safe and safer space for people to come back and, and yeah, and, thr- and I suppose, flourish, I suppose, is the word I was looking for there. Yeah, 
Absolutely, Debs, because even if the job is the same, you're not the same. We're all we're all one year older, wiser, had so many different experiences that it won't it won't be the same again. And um thank goodness, because that means that if and when some new big wallop of change happens, we're potentially a little bit more equipped for that. So, you know, that that's that's good that we've kind of sort of learned learned from that. So am I right in thinking? We're thinking that the safer model, which is a look at, I mean, I love a model at days because it means that if you feel lost in, if you feel a little bit lost, you can think it's okay, it's all part of a journey. Because I think if we just stuck at fear, then that means that we're just then going to dread the sort of the next step. If we can recognise that the F of fear is the midway point. So you've got suppression, anticipation, fears, explore to empower, release. So the fear isn't the end point. The fear is actually the midway point, darkest before the dawn and all that kind of stuff, isn't it? To actually then build on that and and not ignore it, but kind of use it. The obstacle is the way and all that stuff. Um, do you know what I stuck out for me last um, week was um, a leader who, who runs a big sales team was saying about how one in her team had said to her, um, well, I'm going to try and go for that competition and achieve that. And she said she flipped the word in the instant and said, let's plan for you to achieve that. And it sent shivers down my spine. Just that use of the word plan is just really reassuring, isn't it, in terms of thinking about how we might plan um, for, for the future. So I guess that might be something that's worthwhile having to think about now. How might someone plan to then, upon release, make the best of it? You're right, because that's that means we're creating um, a new way of being. It's creating some um, boundaries for us, a structure. It's given us some certainty and clarity of what we, you know, what we need to do. And it, I think it starts with the people. You know, it, it starts with you know who do I need to get closer to? You know, how can I set up maybe some mini buddy groups that we're all in the boat, same boat together. We're all going on this journey, coming back into the workplace. So if I can have smaller conversations with people that enables them to feel safer, then, you know, set up those conversations, you know, get close to the people, um, you know, that you can uh, have a great conversation with that enables you to do that. And just a point on that, I know you love a murmuration or the birds swooping in the sky. I do love a murmuration. (laughs) Well, I had a look at the mathematical modelling of that murmuration. Oh my God. Oh, that's got some alliteration, hasn't it? Oh, it was (laughs) marvellous. And uh, did you know that the way that those birds keep in that murmuration, there's no way that one bird can keep tabs on the other 2,000. So for everyone here who works as part of a big team, there's no way you can get your head around the other 2,000 people so you feel like you know them all. But the way that the birds work is that they keep tabs on the closest seven. And as long as each bird looks after their closest seven and they know what they're doing, they can then instinctively ebb and flow and work with the, you know, the wind, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought it was a wonderful way to look at, right, if we're about to have some mass change and everyone's going to go, release, then um, if it feels a little bit daunting with all the people that are around, especially for those people that have started new roles, get close with your closest seven. So you've got your tag team there, your buddy team, whatever you might call it. So it just feels like a little bit more exciting rather than um, frightening in terms of stepping back into a physical physical space again together. The amount of people that have joined a new company and they've never physically been, you know, in the same place, I think it will be daunting for some going back and actually meeting face to face. It's been, you know, odd for some. And, you know, we we had a joke about it with um, uh, a company I was working with yesterday. And one of them said, yeah, really, I'm sitting here, but I'm about seven foot tall. But you can't tell that because <laughs> and it was like, cause like, all you can see is from the chest up type thing. And, and that, that yeah. sort of broke the ice in the conversation. So, yeah, they're all having bets on whether this individual is seven foot tall or not. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and just but to I, then be able to place people, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, sort of seeing them yeah. 360. You know, thinking about the location and, you know, what does that mean to you? What does it look like? You know, thinking about what might still be left that was around you in the office space, you know, because we're not sure how many of our usual places we would go to get lunch or stuff like that will still be around. So, you know, thinking about your location and where you're basing yourself as well, I think is going to be a big thing. Had a catch up with one of the um, nursery um, uh, people that work at the local nursery. I say, how do you acclimatise children if there's going to be a change of scenery? Because of course everyone's very aware of children's mental health, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they show pictures of this is what the playground looks like. This is where you'll sit and have lunch. And I thought there was something quite interesting that we could transfer across into the adult world. If you've not been into your major city for over a year and you're now going to go back into work, you know, potentially that feels even, you know, that just feels like something that you can't see, you can't place. So do, do, do we get on Google image and just have a look at where is it you're going to be working again and just reacquaint yourself with the visual so you can, you know, recreate that that feeling. We've been living virtually anyway. So have a look at it virtually to then start to be able to envision that in your mind because that's how you would settle a child in quickly to a new environment. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that we could transfer across. You know, if you can't see it, where you're going to be, especially if you work for a part of a team that's going to have a different location, can you go and check it out beforehand or even look at it on Google image, you know, Google Maps or whatever. So I think that location bit is really interesting. I think that's really cool. And then I suppose it's that bit about, you know, what will the first week look like for me? You know, what what will I actually be doing? What activities will I be doing as well? You know, getting a plan in place for that is going to help you feel safer back in that workspace as well. You know, so thinking about what, yeah, what does it look like and what activity will I be doing when I get back in there? And of course, I guess the closer you are to your buddy team, the more you know. You know, I mean, if if your whole world has been done on Zoom or Teams, um, what can then be done still virtually? What needs to be kind of real world? So I think you're right. Getting the head around that activity, I think, is going to be key to then be able to forecast what it's going to be like so you can plan for what's then required with that. Yeah, which then I suppose leads into what do you need then? You know, when you think about how do I create that balance? What do I need? What's going to work for you? Uh, And then making sure that, you know, your needs are being met. And, you know, and if you think the way we've sort of talked about, you know, this and what we're talking around is actually, you know, your plan becomes your plan. And it's all about the people. It's all about the location, the activity and the needs that we can do to create our own plan. Oh, I love that, Debs. So rather than trying to make it work, it's planning to make it work. I love it. Should we suggest that as a call to action this week, that get your plan in place? So yep. get your people, location, activity, need, um, team. That could be a team of a thousand, team of two. It could be a family team, whatever that team means for you. So maybe that should be the call to action. In terms of the roadmap for emotions, get planning for it to go really well. That's the action for this week. Definitely. I love that law. Well, Devs, thank you so much. That has been, as always, uh, very nourishing. I'm going to resist the urge, like the cat, to follow the cat and go and eat some food now. Because <laughs> I feel like <laughs> yeah, I'm able to that, handle my roadmap of emotions. And um, yes. thank you so much. Be as useful as ever. Oh, that was so cool, Law. Love you lot. So I'll see you next time. Love you. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at secretsfromacoach.com.